This is your guide to book publishing. Everything you want to know but didn't know what to ask with your host, Dr. Judith Bryles. On the show today, you'll find out where book publishing is going and how to take advantage of it. How to identify and avoid publishing predators. What opportunities are emerging as the book trade evolves in new forms. How to avoid losing money and much, much more. Join us now as a variety of publishing pros will deliver insights and strategies to take the author to the next, next level of publishing. It's your guide to book publishing. Everything you want to know but didn't know what to ask. Brought to you by Author You and The Book Shepherd. And now, here's your host, Dr. Judith Bryles. Well, what I love about summer is I get to work outside. So I am outside today. So if you hear birds tweeting or hummingbirds going by, sometimes these mics pick up the doggondest things. You know where I am. But with me, many, many miles away, like a thousand plus away, is the fabulous, really creative and hands-on editor, Barb Wilson, and Barb is one of my favorite, very, very, very favorite people to forward our author's books who are doing fiction because she's she just really gets it um, and how to tighten it up, how to make it better, how to how to flow it, how to connect these characters, how to really uh, sometimes exaggerate conflict when it needs to be done to really lure in uh, the reader. In other words, she helps create page turners. For many, many of the authors that I have the pleasure of working with. And Barb Wilson is going to be speaking at the Author You Extravaganza, which actually rolls out. You're hearing this in the middle of August, but it rolls out the following week in beautiful Breckenridge, Colorado. And she's going to be really doing a roll-up-your-sleeve uh, butt camp on editing and character development um, and just writing in general on the final day of the extravaganza. So with that, Barb, welcome to Author You, Your Guide to Book Publishing. Good afternoon, Judith. I am delighted to be here, and I'm jealous that you're able to sit outside. Uh, actually, I was talking to another client earlier today, and it's pouring in the south. And, you know, I'm sitting out here in 90-degree weather with a, hat, a sun hat on. So what can I say? Oh, right, my so. goodness. <laughs> Okay, so Barb, let's just really just kind of jump in. You and I talk a lot of times about info dumping and um, the telling versus the real showing and storytelling. But you have a whole system you call, which you call uh, really, does this, you ask, I've heard you ask authors, does the story flow? So what's that mean? Can you get into that just a little bit? Oh, well, I I would be delighted. And of course, um, the people that are going to be with us at the extravaganza are going to hear me expand on this. I realize we're a little time limited today, but uh, the first thing I look at when I pick up a piece of work from a client is I call it falling into the story. Mm-hmm. And I'm not really sure where I came up with that term, but uh, what I want it to mean is I want it to absorb me. I want it to pull me in. I want it to entice me, to seduce me with words, to make me want to know what happens to the characters and to know what's coming next. If the story doesn't flow well and I don't have a sense 
of who these people are or why I should care about them, or they come across as cliched or cardboardy, and by that I mean not three-dimensional. I'm not encouraged to keep reading, which unfortunately probably means the average reader won't be either. I, I would think so. And, you know, it actually goes into the whole area of pitching your books to others, that if you don't snag them right up front, I know I know in query letters, and, and I've seen just disasters that authors have sent out to agents and publishers, there is no way they're going to read past the paragraph. It'll go into the trash heap. And, exactly. Exactly. Right. And so th this is really what you're talking about. So it also really flows into maybe we need to really look at kind of uh, the concept of the opening scene, Barb, uh, that, that uh, what do you think is the most effective way? I mean, you look at a lot of books. You've edited over 300 books that I know of. That Actually, we're coming up on 400 now. <laughs> well, there you go. Okay, so we're kissing 400. All right, so. so, so, so yes, um, I want something that I'm not feeling like I'm missing something or I'm hurrying to catch up. The mm -hmm. plot has to proceed at a pace where it's interesting. I think we can all agree that there's nothing worse than a book where nothing happens. Uh, life can be like a Seinfeld episode, but we don't really want to read about nothing. We want to read about something. And sometimes our some things are urban fiction, urban fantasy, thrillers, mysteries, cozy mysteries, suspense, romance, erotica. But those types of genres have a pacing and uh, a process for unfolding the scenes. I'm not going to open a cozy mystery with a six-page recital of backstory on all of my characters because I will guarantee you not only will I, but the people who buy the book will stop reading by page three. Yeah, but, but are those, but are those that's elements? A yeah, that's a common error. They want to give all the backstory. To, exactly. You know. um, we need to look at the opening scene because that's really the hook. That's what pulls people in. That's why... So many books have been written about how to create a successful opening, how to pull the reader into your story to convince them to continue with you while you tell it to them. Mm -hmm. Is there sufficient detail? Is there too much detail? Mm -hmm. um, I once did a sample edit for a client and uh, I did a 10-page edit for her. And at the end of the 10 pages, I wasn't really sure what I had just read, uh, where it took place, who the characters were, or what the story was going to be about. I finally settled for a drunken conversation on a plane because there was some reference in that 10 pages to flying. But that was it. I, I had no other information after reading and rereading that 10 pages. That's a bad start to a book. No, and that also means it's going to get closed. It, it, yes. It, You've lost you lost the reader. I mean, what have we, I read somewhere um, that the average book closes on page eighteen. That's it. They don't yes. go any further. Yes. So you've and got. We're, we're ever more ruthless with our time these days. You know that above everybody. Oh, oh yeah. And so you know, I'm gonna. My advice to everyone is to 
Um, and of course, but what Barbara really excels at is um, fiction. You know, the the fiction. The, and here we are. We're in the middle of summer. It's beach read time, or mountain Absolutely. read, Absolutely. <laughs> or sit on the back deck read with a whatever your favorite beverage of the of the moment is. Um, and that you really have to really think. Okay, so how am I going to, as the author, seduce the reader to keep them with me for several hours? That's really what you have to be thinking about. So I, I think it's really important for all of you who are listening in is to really take a close look at some of these consistent bestsellers in the fiction arena. I mean, really the bestsellers. And you take a close look at how they open their books. And they're, they don't give you backstory. They're not backstories. No, you're you're exactly right, Judith. The the geniuses out there, the Grishams, the Kings, the um, even Nora Roberts, who writes romance. There is enough detail so that the writer uh, tells you what's happening, or at least alludes to what's happening. But it's enough that it's a tease to make you continue. All the details that you need to know to let that story envelop you are going to come later. Mm-hmm. And you have to, to take that on faith, but that's what a good writer does, mm-hmm. is they know when to pace themselves and when to let those details start flowing out. And they know how to make it appear that you have a little stage in your head and all these events that you're reading are going on right in front of you. And mm-hmm. these characters are real. Their dialogue is real. So, you know, you, you've talked about, so maybe you open, maybe your opening line is a location or a place or a date or a time where the reader can immediately, ooh, 1927, hmm, what was going on in 1927? And, and then get into it or, or, you know, it could be 1963, hate Ashbury. Oh my God, we're in hippie land. Okay. Drugs, yes. rock and roll, I get that. <laughs> oh, I have fond memories of it. No. <laughs> and this is why I'll never run for public office. Okay. Um, this is a, you just described a technique, Judith, that I actually often recommend to my historical writers. Mm-hmm. And I, I tell them, if you have a story, particularly one that deals with elements from a previous time, uh, it could be about a lost treasure. It could be about something that uh, happened during the war. Mm-hmm. I would recommend you put those headings in so that your reader immediately knows time has passed and the scene location has changed. It, they it, can it, see yes. themselves in that mm-hmm. scene. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, one of the techniques, I have one book right now I'm working on that uh, the date changes are actually the chapters. That's so. another thing I use. Um, also, there you can use a prologue if you've got a, a story that evolves around something being found. It's one of my favorite tropes is treasure. You know, mm-hmm. I guess it started when I started realizing jewelry stores existed and so did pirates. But I like <laughs> stories that start in one generation and finish off in another one. Uh, and, so that, and that so you yeah. cross over and actually it's a perfect thing for a continuation of a series. Um, and get that going. Yeah. So, Barb, when we get back with me, everyone is Barb Wilson, and you can find her at um, uh, editpartner.com. 
and that I would love to have her get into a couple of things when we come back. One is the voice. How do we develop a voice for it? And and towing into narrative, and then let's look at some of the goals and motivations and conflicts that we can all use. We'll be right back. It's Author You, Your Guide to Book Publishing. I'm Judith Bryles, The Book Shepherd, and we are talking fiction, how to rock and roll in your next story. And here's the other thing. Those of you who are writing nonfiction, storytelling, just the, the acing what a fiction author does, belongs in your portfolio too. We'll be right back. is your guide to book publishing everything you want to know but didn't know what to ask with your host dr judith briles and we'll be right back with more great information right after these is there a book in you or another author you will show you how to create develop and publish your book without being good with if you already have a book out You'll find a supportive and brainstorming community that's connected and creative no matter where you live. Author U brings in national experts for its book camps and annual author extravaganza held each May. It has regular meetings and delivers webinars for its members on timely topics. Through Author U's extensive network, members enjoy exclusive benefits, including significant discounts for a variety of services necessary to publish. The Resource, its online book publishing news magazine, is content-heavy and it's free. If you want to create a book that has possessed punch and panache author you is for you if you're a hobbyist or a casual author it's not join author you today through its website at authoru.org. follow author you on twitter at author you and on facebook at author you where timely author and publishing tips and articles are posted daily author you where the author goes to become seriously successful Impressions are everything in the world of book publishing. Whether your book is an ebook, a print version, or both, your book cover needs to pop, sizzle, and sparkle to immediately capture the attention of your audience. And your book's interior needs to be just as dynamic and reflect the professionalism your readers demand. Nick Selinger of NZ Graphics has won numerous national and international book awards for his cover designs and interior layouts. With over 20 years of experience in graphic design, he knows what it takes to create award-winning books and the many promotional pieces that authors need, such as posters, banners, postcards, one-sheets, business cards, logos, and more. Visit ncgraphics.com and see what authors and publishers have to say about their award-winning books and how NZ Graphics can make your book the success it was meant to be. That's nzgraphics.com. Welcome back to your guide to book publishing. Everything you want to know but didn't know what to ask. If you want to write and publish a book, if you want to be successful as an author, your guide to book publishing, everything you want to know but didn't know what to ask, is for you. Stay tuned and you'll hear about statistics, scenarios, and strategies on what to do now to get you published. So let's get back to the show. And here again is your host, Dr. Judith Bryles. All right. So before we went into our first break, I, I uh, asked Barb 
Wilson, who is uh, one of uh, the, the great fiction editors, who really kind of kiss the voice. You know, how do we develop the voice? Um, and this is, remember, I'm not talking about so much, well, your writing voice certainly is there, but there's the voices of your characters. I mean, each one is going to be unique in its own way. So that's one area. Um, and and also just the whole thing about goals and motivation and conflict, using all of that as you write along. Okay, Barb, back to you. Let's talk about voice. Uh, uh, well, it, I actually am guilty of this myself. Uh, my first book, when I gave it proudly to my beta reader, uh -huh. uh, she gave it back to me and she said, okay, a couple things. Um, one, all of the characters sound just like you when they talk. Oh. And two, and two, uh, they all sound alike. She said, I really, you've got some areas with some tension and very quick, snappy dialogue. I can't figure out who's talking because everybody sounds the same. Mm -hmm. And I, I didn't realize mm -hmm. it's those painful <laughs> things where you're criticized. You know, it's like, oh, no, it was supposed to be perfect. Well, it wasn't. Uh, so you have to literally, and I, I recommend this, and I'll recommend it in the uh, author extravaganza in August, know your characters. You can never know your characters too well. I suggest uh, if you're writing uh, a book of any length that you actually sit down before you start and you put together a character sketch sheet. And yes. that is, Everything from their hobbies, their bad habits. Maybe you have a character that uh, is trying to give up a smoking addiction, but he can't quite make it. So that goes on there. I, I have a friend who's a, a dear friend who's an editor as well, and she makes her character sketches so detailed, she claims to know what is in their kitchen junk drawer by the time she's done. I think that's perfect. You know, and, and, and those of you who are uh, TV watchers or smart, that, you know, what I think that TV is loaded with characters. And I think one of the, a complex character to take a peek at is Dexter from the TV show. That here Absolutely. he is, you know, a really skilled healthcare provider who happens to, you know, uh, you know take people out. Yep. Well, he, he kills them for the right reasons. They're bad people, yeah. but he's, he's a, still he's a serial killer. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and, uh, you know, if you're struggling with your characters, if you have received critique back mm -hmm. from any of your beta readers, that your characters just don't seem to jump off the page quite as well as you had hoped, there is a ton of books out there on character development and how to put deep point of view together so that you really get intimate with those characters and you, you know what's in their, their thoughts and their, their hearts, and you can express that in your writing. And that, uh, that actually leads me to another pet peeve. Um, a lot of people feel if they use adverbs while expressing their characters' thoughts and feelings, that's appropriate writing. And I would actually say adverbs are lazy. And Stephen King says adverbs are not your friend. He's right. You, you need to get in depth with those characters and make yeah. them feel the emotion. Make the readers feel it. Make them drum their fingers or sweat or run their fingers through their hair or stamp mm -hmm. about if they're angry. 
Mm-hmm. One of my editors wrote one time a blog for me called The Case of the Missing L.Y., and um, <laughs> you know, and I love I loved it because there are sometimes I mean I've had some writing people saying when it comes to adverbs just don't, but there are sometimes you know it just has a delicious feel to it. Um, so I'm I'm yes, I'm not yes. going to be a don't person to it, but that certainly I, I think a lot of beginning writers um, overdo it. There is an overabundance of adverbs and also adjectives at times. Oh, my goodness. Um, There's been a trend lately in the manuscripts I'm seeing, and I'm not sure where it's coming from. Maybe it's an outlander thing. Uh, The adjectives are just poured onto the paper. I will have a sentence that will maybe have five adjectives in a row to describe something. Uh And I immediately mark it and say, no, this is by the time you get to the fourth one, you forget what you're even talking about. So let's Uh just back up and, and chunk this out a little bit. And we're not writing 400-page books. We're writing 100-page books or mm-hmm. 300-page books. Or if we're Diana Gabaldon, we're writing a 1,000-page book. But I haven't had her ask me to edit for her yet, although she and I would have some issues about her scene descriptions. If, if you've got too much of anything, your story, your story isn't balanced and your plot is going to, as you try to unroll it with all these extra words and these adjectives and adverbs, and you you layer on the frosting so thick that nobody can taste the cake. Mm-hmm. That's not a good thing. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and uh, I, I believe, believe Judith, one of your books was uh, Snappy, Sassy, Salty, mm-hmm. and Short is the New Black. Yes, mm-hmm. Short mm-hmm. is. You, you can create a scene with a minimum amount of text and it's almost deeper and richer than a scene that takes you six pages to describe something very small. Oh yeah. And that's, and, and then of course you're, then you have to evaluate Barb because you oh. see this. did, did the six pages even belong in here or can we just delete it all? Is the story hang just fine? And you know, I, I would love to have you kiss on that because um, I, I think that sometimes authors, they, they look at these guidelines. We're supposed to have 100,000 words for this kind of genre. You know, not necessarily. Not necessarily. May, maybe everything could be done just hunky-dory in 70,000 words. That you've got a Absolutely. lot of... Absolutely. Absolutely. Judith, you're, you're so on point with this. You sure you don't want to start a second career as an editor? <laughs> <laughs> Well, as you know, I do content editing. So, you know, for my yes. office. Yeah. And you're genius on uh, nonfiction. So we balance each other out. Um, yeah. Well, you had, you'd also asked me to talk about plot arcs and yes. things like that. Yes. Um, mm-hmm. this, the purpose of a story goes back to once upon a time is you're telling a story and stories have beginnings and they have middles and they have ends. And the story is about the journey. The plot arc is about the journey and how the character grows and changes and what happens to bring external influences in against this character to cause that change to happen. The adventures that they have, the the opportunities that they have to show their bravery or even their cowardice Mm -hmm. and to, uh, I actually had a, an author tell me once that she 
she puts her characters in trees and throws rocks at them. And that's how she comes up with her plots. <laughs> I, I'm okay. I, I would run out of rocks after a while and then I'd have to go to a slingshot. But you, you need to have a story where something happens. And uh, I actually had a client come to me once. Uh, she sent me a story. It was a children's book. Mm-hmm. And uh, I said, well, what do you want me to do with this? And she said, well, I want you to edit it. And I said, um, there's no plot. Even children's books have plots. They usually yeah. inspire or they teach. And she said, well, this is a story about a boy with a puppy. And I said, well, what about the boy with the puppy? And she said, well, the boy has a puppy. And then he grows up. And I said, well, is the dog bionic or something? I mean, what, what's special? Well, no, it's just a boy with a puppy. And I said, frankly, I, I really think you need to have a little more than, than that. You yeah. need to have some meat. You need to have adventures. Um, you can have a scene that has a boy with a puppy in it. But to have an actual plot, you can have a boy with a puppy and the puppy's bionic. Or the puppy is really an alien shapeshifter. Something like that. I mean, you have to kind of think outside the box. Then it can um, become a kitty cat. Pardon me? It can become a kitty cat. Um, there's, oh. there's all kinds of things puppies can do, but puppies actually have, uh, especially with children's book. I mean, here you have the typical child's book is 32 pages. And, uh, you know, very few words, usually wonderful illustrations. But there very clearly is a beginning, middle, and end. There always is in a child's book. And there's usually a moral to it. Yes. There's, there's a teaching point at the end. Yes. Absolutely. And, it, and children's books, uh, the little kiddo books, do not ha- come with cliffhangers. It's a, and now, you may have a continuation of a series, but there is a complete end to that. You know, another book that has the same characters are just fine. But it's a different story. Yes. And, and to go back to the, the plot arcs, there's an overall plot arc for the book. The book begins at one point. It ends at another point, usually later in time, after things have happened. And each character has a plot arc. And in the case of romance, there's a fourth plot arc that shows how the characters interact and grow as a couple, which is part of the romance part. You know, Barbara, so you, you're, you're doing the workshop. Let me just ask this, because I would love to have you visually demonstrate at the workshop we do at the extravaganza, um, uh, what a plot arc looks like, you know, how they hmm. get integrated. Can you do that? I would love to. In fact, uh, I plan on spending an hour on my nine cube plotting tool. And uh, everybody who attends that is actually going to get um, free coaching for a period of time after the extravaganza from me. And I normally charge $50 an hour for my services. But for the people who attend that workshop, I'll be giving out $100 of coaching to them free for the stories they develop after the workshop. Okay, so let's take another break. We're going to come back and we're going to talk about the whole goals and motivation. Um, this 
is your guide to book publishing. Everything you want to know but didn't know what to ask. With your host, Dr. Judith Bryles. And we'll be right back with more great information right after these. Want to publish like a pro today? Well, then take a look at Ingram Spark, the only publishing platform that offers print and ebook services through a single source. Upload, edit, and manage titles all in one place. Take more control of printing costs with print on demand and reach even more readers through one of the world's most extensive distribution networks. Built by independent publishers for independent publishers, Ingram Spark has everything you need. Need to maximize your book's potential, color printing, ebook distribution, print on demand, global reach, and more. Start publishing with Ingram Spark today and see just how far your titles will go tomorrow. That's IngramSpark.com. Many of us have dreamed of writing a book. Some of us even have. Then the hard work starts. You'll need an editor. Who will design the cover or typeset the pages? Who will format the ebook? If you're a business owner, consultant, or coach with a serious message and expertise to share, the team of experts at 1106 Design can guide you through the maze. They've helped more than a thousand authors create top quality books and avoid the not so reputable self publishing companies. Learn more at 1106design.com. Then call Michelle at 602 866-3226-1106-DESIGN. When Ned Thompson and Harry Shore started Thompson Shore in 1972, they believed employees with great character would make up the best company. They were right. They hired people who were not only experts in bookmaking, but who were obsessed with quality and delivering exceptional customer service. Almost 40 years later, Thompson Shore remains a 100% employee-owned company. Ned and Harry knew that successful customer projects are a direct result of empowered employees. We specialize in all books for large and small publishers. Creating beautiful and well-made books, we're dedicated to pleasing our customers by making the experience a good one from start to finish. The personal touch we have with our customers allows us to be innovative in solving their most difficult challenges. Our platform also ensures that we can remain flexible to meet our customers' unique needs and expectations. Our marketing kit can create buzz for your title, enhancing the promotion of your book during infancy. When you need to test the market to gauge your future sales, we can provide digitally printed books that will transition seamlessly into a larger offset run. From ebook to hard copy to delivery, our skillful customer service teams are at the ready to answer your most pressing questions. At Thompson Shore, we know that making the highest quality books requires more than just best technologies. It requires superior customer service, professionalism to the trade, and commitment to environmental and social values. With these standards of excellence in place, you can be sure that we will always help you put your best book forward. Publishing. Everything you want to know but didn't know what to ask. Coming up, you'll hear more about statistics, scenarios, and strategies on what to do now to get you published. So let's get back to the show. And here again is your host, Dr. Judith Bryles. All right. So I always love my conversations. Sometimes I wish we had we just didn't run commercials so you can hear my conversations going with our guests. 
afterwards, but we were, we were I wanted to, <laughs> to come back and kiss on um, the, the too much detail. I call that info dumping and, and becoming an info beast. And I think it's really important for all of you in your writing to really ask the question, is this essential? Is it crucial? Is it critical to whether, I don't care if it's fiction or nonfiction, is it, is it crucial to your, your story or your solutions, your how-tos as you go forward? And if it's not, get rid of it. You're, you're just filling space. It's like when we used to, you know, when we were in school and high school and writing papers and we had to have so many words and so we created as many fillers as we wanted. This is not what you want to do. Um, and exactly right. Yes. Um, it, I call that telling versus showing and info yes. dumping. And it's one of the, it's the eighth deadly sin as far as I'm concerned. It, it, yes, uh, it, it absolutely is. Now, the other side of that, um, uh, Barb, is, is there a couple of hints that you have as an editor with, uh, with uh, who has been out here for a long time that, that people can ask a couple of questions very quickly or they can see instantly that it's irrelevant to, to moving to turning the page. Absolutely. Um, the first thing I, if I run into an info dump or a scene that I think isn't necessary, I'm going to ask the author and I, I want them to think critically about their own work because basically this is a product. If they intend to sell books, they're creating a product that they want other people to buy. Mm -hmm. And even if they're just doing it to, have something to hand out at the family reunion or, or doing it as a gift for someone, you still want it to be a good product and you want it to be the best you can be. There are, you know, we, Judith and I could talk for three weeks straight, I think about ins and outs of writing and, and all the different tricks. But when you're dealing with an info dump scene or a scene, you're questioning whether it needs to be there. You look at the fact that each scene must move the story forward. The plot must advance. Otherwise, go back to what I said at the beginning, something has to happen in the story. Now, there's kind of a caveat about that if you've got a mystery, because you may have a scene that you're not really sure why it's in there. And then you get to the end and you realize, oh, yes, that's the pivotal scene where she notices the letter opener had traces of blood, you know, that kind of thing. But if you're trying to avoid writing a scene as an info dump or to convey information that you really think the reader should know, um, take a minute and think about your favorite crime detective show. What do they always do in the middle of the show? They have a conversation and they ask questions and they have short declarative statements. So I would throw in a conversation with a friend, a neighbor, uh, a parent, a coworker, somebody, so that you rehash a detail. It keeps it very active. The story's flowing. You're having something happen. But you're also conveying this piece of information that's very important. If you just want, you want to do it outside of a conversation, you can do it via a flashback, a dream. You can have the character pick up a, a journal and have a journal that he's reading. If it's something about a treasure, um, that's probably the fifth time I've mentioned treasure. So you can tell what I've been reading a lot of lately. 
Um, there's all kinds of little tricks to make scenes more active and to look at them and say, what if we did this? Because it's going to keep the reader interested instead of just saying he was born on a dark stormy night kind of thing. It's, <laughs> it's not, it's not as active, but if you throw in a couple lines about lightning crashing and rain flashing, and then you flash to his mother in labor and she says, this is my son and I'm naming him Henry. That's a lot more active than he was born on a dark stormy night. It's more mm -hmm. words, but I can pretty much guarantee you it's going to be a lot more interesting to read. Yeah. You know, there's a one book. There was only one book um, that and the author is still diddling with it, but that I could start. It was a dark and stormy night and he was a helicopter. I mean, he was a uh, he was on a helicopter. He was in the Falklands. He was uh, going in on a rescue, and there was I mean, all hell was breaking loose as they as the raid started then. And it was a start dark and stormy night. <laughs> I that is important enough and almost cliched enough that I would actually have that as a paragraph all by itself, just at the beginning. It was a dark and stormy night. Next paragraph. Yeah. <laughs> or, or being cheeky, being cheeky, I might say, yep, comma, it was it a was dark. A dark. <laughs> okay. So, oh, on. my goodness. But, that, you know, that's where you can have fun. Let me ask you this. I mean, I know we have so much more to cover, but who is the kind of editor? There, there's different types of editors. There's you and I both. I mean, you do proofreading. You do a variety of things. But you and I really get into the more developmental content editing. You're more in the fiction. I'm the nonfiction side um, when we're doing that. Is there, and then the copy editing is, that, and by the way, the, the content development is we're gutting. We're gutting. We're really working to make your words better, your lines better, your story flow. We're trying to fix the baby. Um, absolutely. The copy editors are into more of the punctuation. I mean, I don't even worry about punctuation. I mean, I'll get into it. But I, I'm not going to be the grammar cop at all. Um, no, but you have me. So, you know, you don't, you just say, Barb, here. And then I know it, you know, it's a dark and stormy night. No, I just, Exactly. Um, they, they, actually, they, they, there. Yup, yeah, yeah, comma. It was a dark story and a paragraph all by itself. You know, and, and yes. also, you know, I want to tell all of you. Some of you have heard me say this before. There is sometimes tr a tremendous value in one-line paragraphs. Tremendous value. Um, oh, precisely. You couldn't be more right. If you have a, a a very quickly moving scene and there's a lot of tension and a lot of action. Mm -hmm. I can have three pages of one or two line paragraphs. It, it moves so quickly. And if I want to stretch out the timing, if I, I'm writing something very, uh, say, reverent, a uh, scene at a funeral, if it's a lovemaking scene or the characters are the first time they meet each other and the emotions they're feeling, mm -hmm. those paragraphs are probably going to be six, seven lines. I it's kind of a little trick just to speed up the reader or slow it down. Um, but before we, we get back into pacing, um, I, I did want to go back to what you said earlier, Judith. A lot of people don't know that there are different kinds of editors. Um, they, they ask a lot of questions, especially my new clients. What exactly do you do? And I, I came up with this definition and I, 
because I used to actually work in a corporation with scientists and a developmental or a content editor, they're, they're kind of synonymous. They, the developmental uh, can help you actually develop the story, which is what I do. If there's things that work or don't work, I can advise you on those. But that's at a macro level. It's a big, big level. You're encompassing the entire story. You're looking at scenes and the flow and the character arcs and is your character sufficiently developed? These types of big, big, big puzzle pieces. If you're down at a copy editor or a line editor or a proofer, that is actually a micro level. You're dealing with very tiny things like punctuation and uh, even verb tense at that level. I usually encompass that in what I'm doing up at the developmental end. But uh, right now I'm focusing a lot on working developmentally with my new clients. And uh, I'm having a blast because it's brainstorming for fun. And um, the cool part about it is I have a client who actually uh, writes murders. She writes, she's like a cozy mystery kind of person. And we've come up with some really creative ways to kill people. So I get to help her brainstorm that. Perfect. Uh, <clears throat> Perfect. But, you know, so I the other thing I would say is I tend to cringe when I hear people say, oh, I don't need an editor for my story. I have an English teacher who lives next door or is an aunt and she looked at it for me and I always say to them do you know what you call an English teacher who's an editor and they say no what and I said an English teacher I said this is a very unique skill set and could they help you can they make your story better yes but their training may not encompass everything it needs to to make your story the best it can be Mm -hmm. um, so I, I would encourage people, I, I know it's an expense. I know I have my, I'm a professional editor. I have my books edited by another editor. My, I don't my, edit my own books. <laughs> no, usually there's a self-edit stage, but then you put them out and this, my latest book, you know, how to create the million dollar speech had three different editors involved with it. And so you have to do it. All right. We're going to take our final break. Hard to believe. So when we come back, we're going to get into some, just some fine tuning to get you successful. is your guide to book publishing. Everything you want to know but didn't know what to ask with your host, Dr. Judith Bryles. And we'll be right back with more great information right after these. The book shepherding concept is simple. The publishing world is changing and so must you. You need an experienced shepherd and a guide to partner with you as you create, strategize, develop, publish, and achieve your publishing goals. You can't do it alone without paying the price. You can spend your money creating a book that turns out to be so-so, or you can create a book that looks and feels classy, builds your brand, and is a financial success, a bestseller. It's your choice. You choose. You need the book shepherd. Publishing is riddled with obstacles, sometimes nightmares for the author. You don't need problems. You want solutions. 
Dr. Judith Bryles will shepherd you through the maze and the chaos. At times, she's had to step in and rescue a book, a book that has been sabotaged by a publisher or by a publishing service provider or sometimes even the author themselves. Judith Bryles is the book shepherd. If you want to create a book with no regrets, give her a call today, 303-885-2207. That's 303-885-2207 or email her at judith at bryles.com. By the way, Bryles is spelled B-R-I-L-E-S. Follow Judith on Twitter at My Book Shepherd and on Facebook at The Book Shepherd. One of the most important decisions you will ever make is your choice for printing your book. You are choosing a company which will be responsible for guiding you through the process and printing your book at a level of quality and detail that embraces your personal and creative needs. You want to choose a company that when your book finally arrives, you are delighted and ready to move on to the next level and one that is customer focused. Choose King Printing Company and Addy Books to be that company that brings you to the next level. Go to kingprinting.com or call 978-458-2345 and ask for Tom Campbell. At Total Printing Systems, customer service is our priority. We are located in Southern Illinois. Our employees have an average of 18 years' experience and know that customer relationships are important to our continued success. We have been a short-run book printer for nearly 40 years and always stay at the forefront of technology. Our niche is from 1 to 5,000 copies. Today, we offer digital black and white and four-color high-speed inkjet printing, a cost-effective way to introduce color into your short-run titles. We, of course, offer traditional offset printing as well. Bindery is done in-house, from adhesive case binding to PUR perfect binding to mechanical binding of all types, including side sewing. We provide warehousing, kitting, distribution, inventory management, a new print-on-demand facility, streaming browser-based ebooks, and bookstore. Call us at 1-800-465-5200 for a quote on your next book project. You can also visit our website at www.tps1.com. Welcome back to your guide to book publishing. Everything you want to know but didn't know what to ask. If you want to write and publish a book, if you want to be successful as an author, your guide to book publishing, everything you want to know but didn't know what to ask, is for you. Stay tuned and you'll hear about statistics, scenarios, and strategies on what to do now to get you published. So let's get back to the show. And here again is your host, Dr. Judith Bryles. Dawn Wilson at uh, says that if you've got too much detail, it's not good, but too little is even worse. So this is for, now we're talking about fluent storytelling. And a few weeks ago that we just kind of played hooky and took the afternoon off and went to see the new um, series in the Star Wars, went to see Solo. And I had read some of the deals saying, oh, well, it's so-so. We loved it. We had a great time. I thought it was a great storytelling, fun, and I know my grandkids have showed up again, and guess what we wanted to go see? We saw it again. I loved it even more because I saw more detail. I had more time to look for things from the sleight of hand to what some of the characters look like um, because it does have all the George Lucas, all the weirdo characters in there. Let's Uh 
because sci-fi, I think sci-fi has really hit um, the imagination of how people can do storytelling and that. Well, it's wonderful that you brought that up, Judith, because I I did want to uh, get a caveat into our our paranormal, our urban fantasy, our sci-fi writers out there. One thing to keep in mind as a solid rule, and I mean, this is like you can engrave it in stone and have Charlton Heston hold it up. If you are world building, if you're creating a world where your story takes place that is not Earth, and you make rules for that world, or you make worlds rules for the characters that you create that inhabit that world, uh, think uh, old Star Trek on this one, how the, the one race was particularly warlike, and they actually had a couple episodes based around, they had a, a not a person of that race, but they had a, a character from that race that was not warlike. And that actually became a big thing because he went against the rules, the established rules that they set up for his race. If you say things about your characters or if you are creating elements in your world throughout the book, you have to remember to follow them yourself because if they're sufficiently detailed enough to suck readers in, and yes, I will say Lord of the Rings, I will say uh, Game of Thrones, you know, those are huge, elaborate worlds that those writers set up and they have rules in there that the worlds spin on their axis and it's how life unfolds in those worlds. You have to follow that. Uh, and the minute that you deviate or you forget that you've set that rule up and you go in contrast to that rule, your reader stops reading because you've broken faith with them. They can't believe what you're telling them anymore, and they stop. Mm-hmm. And uh, there's a couple character tropes that are also popping up quite a bit. Um, and I, I wanted to uh, I wanted to mention those. I've I've seen kind of an influx in uh, what we call TSTL, which is too stupid to live. It's the person who always goes into the cemetery at midnight because they think they have a perfectly good reason to go do that. <laughs> and you're you're bashing your head on the desk saying, why are you doing this, you idiot? And they go in there and they get killed. Um, you see the, the you, you, type movies and, you, you know, the horror scene, you've got the spooky, you know what's going to happen. You, you know, idiots, you don't stop in the middle of the road. You don't anything. You know what's going to happen. Yes. And you talk to the screen. This is why I can't go to theaters anymore, because I start yelling, get out of the road, idiot. Uh, <laughs> Um, another thing that I've seen, and I was also guilty of this in my first book, I had cliche villains that were really bad villains. They had bad personal hygiene. They were not nice people. They had warts. They had you know, greasy hair, bad fitting clothing. Think outside the box when you're making a story. If you're creating your characters and you're developing them, what about having an ordinary looking hero and a handsome villain. Mm-hmm. Do something unexpected because that also keeps people reading. Mm-hmm. Of course, you have to remember that you have a wart on the hero's nose if you write about it in subsequent scenes. But again, that's what I'm for. Yeah, um, exactly. But you know, when you were talking about, since we're talking sci-fi a little bit, in the, star, in the uh, solo movie, 
we learned how Chewbacca and Han get together, you know, and, and, you know, totally, totally took us into another direction. I don't think that anyone's really going to imagine because we always saw that in the Star Wars movie that they were pals and all that. We didn't know that Han could speak Chewy, whatever it was. Oh, my we, goodness. We, Chewbacca? You know, yeah. He speaks Wookiee? He, 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 he spoke Wookiee. And that oh, you, don't, you, you know, you don't know that the evil empire destroyed Chewbacca's world and all his relatives and they, they find one last one in this horrible mine. Um, and that it is, you know, and, and the dilemma that Chewie has, you know, do I try to carry this old guy? We le- we also learned that Chewbacca is 193 years old in the movie. So oh. there's, um, there's a lot to learn. So those are those backstories that think, oh, this makes sense. Now I can leap forward and see one of the um, older movies that is really in the future and pull it all together. So I thought that was very cool. And and that's a great example of how to incorporate backstory in an active fashion. You, you've described it right on the nose, Judith. Oh, my goodness. Um, well, there, there is one other thing here that, uh, and this is kind of in your bailiwick, but I hope you forgive me. Uh, you are the expert on publishing. You're the expert on uh, if people want to seek agents and try and get into the big five, fine. Uh, if people want to self-pub, that's fine too. Uh, I've already done my pitch for hiring editors because I think they're necessary. I've seen some really bu- brutal reviews online when books are not edited and the editors, uh, I mean, they haven't even been proofread or spell-checked, and the books get shoved out, and people leave comments about how badly they're proofread. You know that's an essential part, but a lot of people are doing things on a shoestring, and they don't hire an editor. I would suggest you find someone who's affordable, there's a lot of us out there, and utilize their services. Um, I would also say if you are doing a query letter, Judith and I chatted for a couple minutes about query letters uh, during one of the breaks. And uh, if I get something that's really needing a lot of work, I send it back and I ask them to rewrite it. Um, Publishers and agents do not do that. They're too busy and they simply throw it away and you'll never hear from them again. If they have submissions guidelines, follow them. And it's not optional. It's not a suggestion for you. And they're not going to appreciate it if you submit things uh, that are not set up according to their guidelines. Well, remember that if it's a publisher or an agent, they're going to make the decision within the first few lines of what they see. Um, And they hold in. And otherwise, you will go into what's called the slush pile, which is the throwaway pile. And, you know, you don't, once you pitch one agent, um, you're not going back to that agent. Once you pitch one publisher, the odds are you're not going back unless it gets really cleaned up and you go to another editor within that publishing house, um, which is there. But the, the other thing is, if you're going to become an independent publisher, this is just part of the business. And I know it's, it's really crucial um, to understand that publishing and writing is a business. So it's going to take time, energy. You need guiding passion for that. All right, so we have and about you, two minutes left. You have one last word of advice. Um, 
Mm. Well, I would say editors are people too. That would be, <laughs> I, I am, I am here to take your product and make it the best it can possibly be. Uh, I am not mean spirited. Judith knows this and uh, she's worked with me on projects. When I give you a comment on your work, it's not because I mean, it's because I think it would be better another way. Um, Editors create stories by typing on a keyboard composed of human beings. Knowing which key to hit when and how hard to press it is both art and craft. And that's my art and craft. Mm -hmm. I worked very hard with a lot of different people to develop the skills I use. And uh, hopefully I will continue to use them for the benefit of my clients, including you, Judith. (laughs) <laughs> I, and I will, you know, disclaimer, she's one of my editors and, and I have, and she's one of my people that I go to, even though fiction is her thing, because I use a lot of storytelling. I want her kind of eyeballs on it as well. So with that, um, Barb Wilson, thank you so much. You can reach Barb at um, editpartner, barb at editpartner.com. And that if if you're in Colorado, if you're hearing this before the 23rd of August, come to Breckenridge and experience an amazing, amazing event. And with that, Barb, thank you so much for being with us for another episode of Author You, Your Guide to Book Publishing. And I look forward to seeing you in just a few days. Absolutely. I will be there with bells on, Judith, or should I say I will be there on our Harley with leathers on. And uh, thank you so much for having me today. You're welcome. All right, everyone, have a great week. Happy publishing and happy writing. part of your guide to book publishing everything you want to know but didn't know what to ask with your host dr judith briles